Let's open our Bibles this morning, first of all, to Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, and we'll read verses 22 to 40 in that chapter. And there we read the word of God as follows. And he, and then we're talking about Jesus, said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So far the word of God. The text for the sermon this morning is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Philippians 4, we begin reading at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then follows the text. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus so far. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this COVID-19 pandemic that has spread all over the world and seriously affected the health and economy of our nation and the world has brought about a lot of anxiety among people. There is at present no treatment, real, real cure for the, the virus once you have it. An effective vaccine hasn't been found yet. 
or developed, so maybe in the future, but we don't know. And so we need to socially distance at this time. It's been a number of months already. We don't know how long this will still last, maybe till the end of the year, maybe next year. Who knows? And th- th- that can make you anxious, especially at this time. We have lots of anxieties to, to deal with normally, but this, on top of everything, make you very anxious. You could say that the COVID-19 virus has actually spawned another virus. And that virus is even more difficult to deal with, and that's the anxiety virus. And congregation, as Christians, we can easily become infected with that anxiety virus too. There are already a lot of things, as I mentioned, to worry about. But the COVID-19 virus can intensify that anxiety. When we hear the statistics on a regular basis, you look and listen to the news, you hear the statistics about the infections and the deaths and the effects on the economy and unemployment and, and schools and so on, the education system. It can all cause that anxiety tightness in your chest. I wonder where this is going to go. How will this end up? The anxiety virus. But although there is as yet no vaccine for the COVID-19 virus, the wonderful thing that the Apostle Paul tells us in our text from way back around the year 60 is that there is certainly a vaccine for the anxiety virus. And let's pay attention to that in our text this morning. The title of the message is The Apostolic Remedy for the Anxiety Virus and three parts to the message. First of all, we consider the virus, secondly, the vaccine, and thirdly, the effect. So first of all, the virus. These days, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you're probably thinking ahead then, wondering about the coming months, how long, what will the effect be on the Canadian world economy? What will it mean for my job, my income, my family? It's fine that the government gives financial help to so many people, but all that money has to eventually come from somewhere, right? Surely taxes and duties are going to consider, go, go up considerably. And how will it affect the, uh, the pension of seniors? And, and school and college and university students, you, you wonder about how this is going to affect your education. What will education look like in September when it starts up again, really? Will the students be able to catch up and what they missed last year? And seniors are, are, are worried about the fact that they're vulnerable to this virus. It has hit seniors more hard than anybody else. And then you're also concerned about your children and grandchildren. How will this affect them? And we can worry about how, what effect this is going to have on the church. Not everyone able to actually be together in church, but a large part of the congregation having to watch online every Sunday. That might, might be okay for a, a while, but how is this going to affect the congregation as a whole? And, and when it, we can start up again, will everybody be there again? 
Will the, all the members have the same commitment to worship when we're able to assemble together again? And when, when we'll be, be able to assemble and, and socialize again as congregation? Because I think we're all hungry for some socialization with each other. And what, what about the long run? Hey, what will the new normal look like in the future? And also, will our freedom to serve and worship the Lord be affected in some way? So we can have those worries today, those anxieties, actually, above and beyond the, the lots, the many worries we already have, even if there would be no pandemic, you know, worries about health and work and home and income and prices of things and relationships and about children and grandchildren. Will they love the Lord? Will they find their way through all the choices and pitfalls there are in, in life today? And young people, you have the regular worries about the future too. What kind, of, what kind of career is best for me? Will I find a husband or a wife who really loves me for life? A lot, lot of things to worry about in normal life already. And we need to think ahead. We can't just say, well, we're not going to think ahead. Just, we, we can live day by day only. No, as Christians, we also have to think ahead. Have to take into account, for instance, that the Lord Jesus can return in glory at any time. Or we can die at any time and we need to come before him. That was also in Luke 12. The, the Lord Jesus talked about that there. We need to take into account that the Lord Jesus can return in glory at any time. It would be foolish if we stuck our heads in the sand about those possibilities. There, there, there is even good anxiety. There's also good anxiety. The Apostle Paul writes, Philippians 2, verse 20, about Timothy being concerned for the welfare of the church in Philippi, and then the same word is used as for anxiety in, in the text there as in our own text for this morning. Timothy was anxious for the well-being of the church. However, when Paul writes in our text, do not be anxious about anything, he's talking about anxiety in the wrong sense. In the same way that Jesus warned not to be anxious about your life, about food and clothing in Luke 12. You see, anxiety can become a, a wrong mindset, attitude. It can become a wrong and sinful attitude in at least three ways. In the first place, it happens when you endlessly fret and brood over what might happen in the future. That, that it occupies your thoughts on an ongoing basis and you can't let it go and it keeps you awake. In the second place, it's wrong worry and anxiety if you keep thinking, if only I knew which way things are headed for the future, if I, only I knew things were going to unfold in such and such a way, then I'd be at peace. If only I knew what's going to happen, I, I just can't deal with the uncertainty. And in the third place, being anxious in a wrong way means letting my worries push aside my hope and my trust in God. That's the most, that's the most serious of wrong part of anxiety. If it pushes out my trust in the Lord... If I let my concerns about the future become bigger in my heart and mind and even life, 
than God and his grace and his promises to me and his power and his glory. Then I'm anxious in a wrong way. Then I've got the virus. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's in those three ways that anxiety can become a virus in, in, our, in our minds and hearts. A virus that wants to infect our whole being, which wants to make us spiritually sick. Deathly ill, in fact, a virus which makes you spiritually unhappy and which distances you from not just other people, but God. And from your Savior, Jesus Christ. Compared to the COVID-19 virus, it might seem like not such a dangerous virus because it can't harm you physically or economically. But don't underestimate the anxiety virus. This virus is worse than COVID-19 This virus has eternal consequences. It can seriously harm your spiritual life, your relationship with your Lord and Savior. And that means it can ultimately bring you eternal death. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's imperative that we listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in our text about the vaccine against this anxiety virus. And he should know. Apostle Paul was in prison, uncertain about his own life when he wrote this. So we come to the second part of the sermon this morning, the vaccine against this virus. In the text, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, there is a vaccine that helps with that anxiety virus. Wonderful vaccine. The Apostle writes, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests, in other words, your desires, what you, what you desire, let that be made known to God. Now, we can have wrong desires, of course. If you desire or request someone else's husband or wife, that's a sinful, that's a wrong request, obviously. And then your request to God should actually be forgiveness for, and self-denial for self-denial. But you can also have holy desires. You want to live more out of God's grace in Christ. You want to grow in serving him in humble obedience. You want to come closer to the Lord. Those are good requests. In our text, though, the Apostle Paul has in mind the kind of things we desire for our everyday life. The Lord Jesus spoke about the same kind of desires, Luke 12, when he spoke of food and clothing. You can add to that health, joy, relationships, work, income, the things you look for in, for normal life here. The Spirit says in our text, we can make those desires, those personal desires or requests, known to God. We can bring them before His throne. We don't have to be ashamed about those things. The Lord Jesus was true man. He had those physical desires too. He had hunger and thirst, for instance. He knows what it is to be true man here on earth. You can certainly make your requests for health, happiness, work, income, relationships, and so on, be made known to God. All the things that can make us anxious in this life. In other words, prayer. Prayer, make them known by prayer. Prayer is actually overall the vaccine that will destroy the anxiety virus. However, the apostle mentioned three ways to make your request to known, known to God. Shows us that the prayer vaccine has a, is a, actually a three-pronged system which attacks and destroys the anxiety virus. In the first place, just prayer, simple prayer. 
And what's meant is that you don't throw some requests up to God and see what happens. Prayer isn't asking God and then seeing maybe something might come of my request. True prayer is asking God for something in the full trust that he does hear you and will respond to your requests in his goodness and wisdom. That's what the word amen expresses. Check the last Lord's Day of the Heidelberg Catechism. He will do for you what is to his honor and for your benefit. You can trust that. And what he does may be very different from what you had in mind then, but it'll be the right thing. You trust it'll be the right thing for his name and for your good. You can be sure of that because, because of Christ. He'll treat you as his beloved child. Treat you even better than earthly fathers treat their children, as the Lord Jesus says somewhere. That's real prayer. That's the kind of prayer Paul is talking about. In other words, submitting myself to God's care in the full trust that he hears me for the sake of Christ and will do for me as he knows is best for me and most glorifying to him. It's not an easy way to pray that way, but that's what's needed in anxious times. Prayer like that will attack the anxiety virus. Once you've prayed, think, yeah, I've given it to God. I can leave, leave it with him. And in the text, the apostle adds to that prayer, supplication. Now, supplication implies that someone needs help in difficult circumstances. Like when you're in the doctor's office and he tells you that your sickness is incurable. And you might as well make your house in order. And then you look beseechingly at the doctor and you ask, please, doctor, isn't there something that you could still do for me? That's supplicating. Making supplication to God is beseeching him like that. Oh, Lord, I'm just a poor, helpless sinner. Please help me in this way. Only you can help for the sake of your son. Supplication is prayer in which you acknowledge your own helplessness before the Almighty God, that, that you acknowledge that you can't do anything without Him. And you can make supplication then even when you have a good today because you know that you can't guarantee that it'll be the same tomorrow. There's no guarantees for tomorrow. Only God has tomorrow in His control. Supplication is looking helplessly to God for whatever you need. Lord, I expect it all from you only. And then there's the third part of the vaccine mentioned, thanksgiving. In other words, always give thanks. Also, when your mind is filled with all kinds of worries and concerns, don't make requests to God without also giving thanks to him. Sure, we, we sometimes say, look, I still have a lot, so much more than so many other people do. But rather than compare what you have Above what the Lord, uh, above what so many other people have, it's better to compare what you have above what the Lord Jesus had, particularly on the cross. He hung there naked for you, thirsty, suffered horrible pain, was forsaken by everyone, was forsaken by God in hellish agony, suffered what you should have suffered there. So, how? Could we not give thanks, even if we had nothing? We could still have thanks, give thanks to God for what he has given us in Christ, our Savior.
because he was completely forsaken by God, we will never more be forsaken by him. And we can therefore thank God above all that because of Christ, we can even approach his throne in prayer at all. That we're allowed to make our requests, our deepest desires and greatest anxieties, that we're allowed to make that known to him. And the greatest reason for thanksgiving is always that we're God's beloved children through Christ. That he has granted me the forgiveness of sins and peace with him and everlasting life, everlasting life through Jesus. And that's worth incredibly more than anything I'll ever ask of him, such as health, food, clothing, work, whatever. In comparison, you know, that's comparing like a million dollars to a few pennies. See, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's the vaccine against the anxiety virus. Make your request to known, known to God with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And when you give thanks like that too, then you realize I have no reason to be anxious. It's put your mind and heart at rest. Either anxiety draws you to that or it pushes you away from that. It's one or the other. Anxiety and the need to know what's going to happen become so, can become so consuming that you forget that your almighty God and Father who feeds the ravens and clothes the lilies is in control of everything here. And then you neglect to pray and make supplication to him. Or you pray and make supplication with thanksgiving to God and then you're able to let things go and leave them with your almighty Father who loves you in Christ. It's one or the other. Then you don't need to know how things will turn out in the future. Serving God and staying close to Christ becomes your first priority in life. As long as I have him, I have everything I need. And you realize and then the anxiety virus dies away. Of course, this is never a static thing. You pray once and then you're fine. No, those two, anxiety and trust, hey, they can alternate quite a bit in your life. When your prayer life becomes weak, then the anxiety virus can easily flare up again. And when your prayers become heartfelt and sincere again, the anxiety virus dies off again. It's a constant battle, a daily battle. It requires daily prayer and supplication with thanksgiving without slacking off. For you realize that the virus is always buried in your system, in your sinful nature. So it daily needs to be held at bay by the vaccine of prayer with supplication and thanksgiving constantly. Nevertheless, in it, God has given you in Christ a wonderful vaccine that's very effective throughout your whole life right to the end. So when anxiety starts creeping in and affecting your daily thinking and attitude, then humbly bow your head, fold your hands, make your request made known to your Father in heaven who will hear you for the sake of his Son, certainly will hear you for the sake of Jesus Christ, especially in this time of the, the COVID-19 pandemic and what effect it has on the health of many and the economy and what hardships may still be on the horizon for us in the future. Pray. Make supplication. Give thanks. Don't think, well, it's so scary now. I'm way too preoccupied with all kinds of things at this time to pray. When things have settled down again, I'll, I'll take the time to pray again. No. You, of course, it's foolish to think that way. That's like thinking that you're going to take the medicine after the flu is over and you feel better. 
That's exactly the wrong way around. How will the sickness subside if you don't take the medicine now? How will the virus go away if you don't take the vaccine now? So let your worries and requests be made known to God with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And if you've done that, what then? Will God then grant you all your desires? Will God make sure that you keep your job and be able to continue with your schooling, make everything hunky-dory for you now looking ahead? No, that's not what the text says. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon, the effect of the vaccine. The text makes a promise, a promise that if you make your requests made known to God with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, then it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the effect of that vaccine against the anxiety virus. First of all, the peace of God, it says. The peace of God. There are two signs, sides to that wonderful peace. There's the peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, everything is good between God and me. His wrath no longer hangs over me. He has reconciled me to himself in Christ. His favor rests on me. He loves me in Christ, the peace of God. And that peace passes all understanding. It's unfathomable that I, poor, poor sinner, can have such peace with my almighty creator and God. It's too much not only for me to understand, but also to make my own. But he also works the faith and the joy in me about that by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. And that's incomprehensible. And then there's that other side to that peace of God, that peace of God, which means knowing that because I belong to Jesus Christ, he'll take care of me as his own child in this life. He'll take care of me as his own child. Take care of my life and as heir with Christ, he'll prepare me throughout my whole life to enter my eternal inheritance with Christ. That's what he's going to do. He promised that he'll make all things work together for my good and for my salvation. Avert all evil or turn it to my benefit as he promised at my baptism. He'll take my life and let it be to his honor and glory and see brothers and sisters, boys and girls, knowing that, confessing that gives peace too. So many Christians have found that out also in wartime. I don't have to know how everything is going to go tomorrow or the day after that. I don't have to get stuck with the same worries and anxieties going round and round in my head all the time, driving me crazy. No, God will make sure that his purpose with everything and his plan for me will be fulfilled. Through prayer, I can bring that to him and leave it with him every time again, time and time again. Peace that surpasses all understanding, all understanding my understanding sometimes says if it's not going to go like this it's not going to go good but the peace of God says if it's not going to go this way it's okay then God knows that it'll work for my good in a different way that peace is way above my and way above everybody else's understanding. And that gives rest, that gives peace in every circumstance. I can rejoice in the Lord always then, as Paul says, no matter what he allows to take place in the world and in my life. What a wonderful thing it is if you can believe that. 
that gives peace in the middle of the confusion of a world pandemic or in the middle of a struggling marriage or in the middle of dealing with a failing business. The peace of God in, in your heart and in your mind. The peace of God. Think of the apostle P uh, Peter who laid down and slept soundly in prison the day before Herod was going to execute him. He could, he could have a nice sleep there. Think of Paul and Barnabas who sang hymns to God while in prison in Philippi. Think of Paul when he wrote this letter. He was in prison waiting who knows what, and we know it was eventually his death. Peace, wonderful resting in the Lord, beautiful peace. And that peace, Paul writes in our text, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that the text describes the peace that surpasses understanding as a guard. It will guard. A vaccine, as you know, is a guard against certain sicknesses caused by viruses and the flare-up of those sicknesses. Sometimes you need vaccines on an ongoing basis. Well, when you, through prayer, find that peace of God, it's like a vaccine that guards your heart and mind. That peace acts as a vaccine guarding from being overwhelmed, your heart and mind from being overwhelmed by an onrush of the anxiety virus. When fears about what's happening and anxiety about what still might happen start to infect your heart and mind, then that peace that passes understanding is a vaccine that says, stop, no farther, you virus. You're not going to cause this person to be infected with anxiety again. It's wonderful to think about it like that, isn't it, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? That vaccine guarding you from becoming anxious, from losing sight of what you have in Christ, namely God's abiding love and almighty care and the wonderful future that Christ has obtained for you with his blood. So do you notice the anxiety virus trying to creep into your heart during this time because of the effects of the pandemic? Does a fear about the future, about the lack of control you have over what's happening, want to infect your mind so that you forget you belong to God's Son, Jesus Christ. Fold your hands, bow your head, and with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, lay it before your almighty God and Father through Jesus Christ. And then the peace of God vaccine will kill those viruses so that your heart and mind can rest in Christ Jesus and in his marvelous power and work. And you could be at peace. Amen.